Santos's kick is lined up. The kick is good. He got it. How's it going, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to another Arrowheads Abroad podcast with myself, Brad Simcox, and the Arrowheads Abroad Supremo himself, Tom Childs. I even fluffed up there, didn't I? Even the professional coming back. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything, but, you know, yeah. you're, feeling, you're feeling the pressure after... I'm feeling the pressure now, yeah, after that uh, that really awesome, <laughs> awesome uh, podcast that you did with Ryan Tracy. You did bad. well, mate. I'll, I'll be no. honest. You did all right with the host. I'm not going to lie. I was petrified <laughs> because there's a lot more to think about when you've got hosts. Like when you do it, I have to sit here and answer questions. Yeah. And then every now and then try to be a bit witty. And But when you're in your seat, you've got a list of things that you have to follow. You've got questions you have to be able to generate questions on the back of questions. And yeah still try and be funny it's just it was hard work it's difficult isn't it please don't ever leave us (laughs) I couldn't care less if Dave left but you cannot leave us (laughs) (laughs) well no I thought you did all right I think I thought you 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 know you had your questions ready and everything like that I thought he's doing really well here I'm really proud of him it's like you know (laughs) like prodigy kind of thing you know um Watching and, your young son go to school yeah, for the it was first nice. time. Yeah. And then and then you just went blank. And I was like, Oh god no. Oh god no. Um I mean I've done it many a times, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna crow about anything because I've done it quite a few times. Even in player interviews, I've done that before. <laughs> um but no, I, I, I could put I could actually put myself in your shoes for that moment. Um but you sound like you had some fun with it. I mean Ryan's Ryan's a great guy as well, isn't he? It's great having Ryan Tracy back on. It is. He's his voice is just sexy, isn't it? It's velvet, isn't it? I always say yeah. it's velvet. He's like the Barry White of Chiefs Radio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but do you know that question that was raised before when it said? Um, I think one of the one of the members' questions was, uh, "Which guest presenter would you have on?" Mm-hmm. Mine was like, "Ah, it's got to be Ryan Tracy." Like, <laughs> it's got to be Ryan Tracy. It, just just the smooth velvet tone, but then. I don't know. Maybe Mitch Mitch Holthus actually got that. Uh, yeah, maybe he got the gig for me in the end because he's just he's just Mister Kansas City, isn't he? He certainly is. But on the plus side, um, Ryan's equally as bad as at quizzes as you are. Yeah, seems. Yeah, yeah. maybe I, maybe I put a curse on him. Maybe maybe because he was in my hot seat. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I, I like the game. I thought it was funny, especially some of the. <laughs> Some of the alternative words that you came up with. <laughs> if you haven't got, have you haven't listened to the show yet? Please go back and listen to Monday's show. We talked about all sorts, but um, we had a bit of a laugh at America and at the UK. Um, we kind of laughed at everyone's expense at the end. So yeah, go back and give it a listen. Yeah, what's the word for a razor? What do we call a razor? <laughs> go for that one. That's brilliant. And then he spat me tea all over the place when I heard that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we've actually got a, a bit of an impromptu show, actually, because um, we've had a, another player interview. And do you want to reveal who it is, Tom? Yeah, we wanted this guy to come on the show ever since last October when 
he was generous enough to come to lunch with us um, in Kansas City, part of our group tour. It's um, former Chiefs running back in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, Ted McKnight. Um, the older fans will certainly know who he is and me being a younger fan, I wasn't too sure before last October, but having to get to meet him and chat to him for an hour in Kansas City, then an hour just a minute ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. he, what a guy. Like He is just a positive, positive guy. Like You could tell that everything that came out of his mouth was so genuine. And probably my favourite interview we've done so far, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I, th- I thought we were going to get like 20 minutes possibly half an hour out of him but um yeah i mean he was he really wanted to know as well and and we had this similar situation over in Kansas Kansas City when we actually um, met him was we had so many questions to ask him but he just wanted to know more about us didn't he uh, you know what 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 we felt you know american football was like over in the uk you know um how do we all get involved in it? That kind of thing. And we never really got much chance to ask him anything. So it was nice this time to actually ask him uh, all of the questions that we, we had ready back in October. Um, but yeah, it was a great interview. We'll, talk, we'll, we'll put the interview at the end of this, um, at the end of this um, brief chat. But um, I just wanted to just bring up briefly the, the last game because I didn't get a chance to do it because obviously I was on holiday again but um, you guys talked about Patrick Mahomes I was absolutely stunned by it um, if you ever followed the live tweets that we did for the Hour Heads Abroad it was just one of those stunning moments and I know a lot of people say it's pre-season but you cannot deny that was a stunning stunning moment and I just wanted to just say that was awesome it, it <laughs> that was, was pure genius wasn't it I, I did feel for you a little bit on Monday because after we played the Broncos you actually missed a podcast after that I as did, well yeah, so we, actually, we actually had Ryan Tracy on that podcast I know. Well. so, so what you, we're saying is if I don't go on the next podcast Pat Mahomes is going to light shit up yeah exactly and I just think do you know I what I'm, this, this might <laughs> I didn't mean to say that this might be my kind of swan song because you're going to ban me from every other every other podcast now aren't you yeah 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 um, we said we'd talk briefly about the next preseason game which is against the Bears um, I'm I'm not particularly bothered about this game I know there's the, the starters what? are going to get I'm not yeah I, I know this is this is what Dave really wants to watch, isn't he? He said he only really starts watching from preseason three because this is when the starters really get a, a good bit of foothold in the games, don't they? Exactly. So why why not why get excited about preseason week one it's and preseason best. week two, and then preseason week three comes along, arguably the the <laughs> only really entertaining full game of a whole preseason. You know, just a bit like nah, it's the Bears. The Bears are going to be decent Bears. this year. Mitchell Trubisky is going to be half decent. They've got Matt Nagy, our former offensive coordinator, as their coach. And they've got Alan Robinson, a wide receiver. I, I think the Bears are going to make some noise. And plus, they've got John Franklin from Last Chance U at safety this year. It's like, yeah. come on, guys. Like, Brad, this is going to be an entertaining game. It's going to be a fun watch to see it, Andy Reid go head-to-head against Matt Nagy. Well, it might be It might be because I've already been spoiled by the Mahomes' absolute bomb of a throw. But I don't know. You do, I, you do realise that that bomb of the throw wasn't even... Mahomes' best throw of the night. I know, I know. The best one is is, is I think I know what you're going to say is the one to Kelsey 
Yeah, where he threw it before even Kelsey looked. Yeah, Kelsey was hadn't even started his break yet on the out, and yeah. the ball's already in the air. And as soon as Kelsey gets to the sideline, he turns around and the ball's in his face. It's just they it's were just perfect. in sync, weren't they? Yeah, it's indefensible. You cannot defend that pass. It's just yeah. if that's what the type of stuff I want to see. We know he's got the arm talent to go deep. I want to see the the intermediate throws. They're like the ones that Alex Smith really struggled with. That's mm-hmm. the ones I want to see. The ones in the middle of the field, the ones on the sidelines. They're these type of throws that make the difference between a good quarterback and an elite quarterback. They're the type of stuff we want to see on Saturday. And I think we're in for a hell of a game on Saturday. I can't wait, personally. Yeah. Um, I can't watch the game live because I'm going to Arsenal on Saturday and I won't get back till like 7 o'clock and then oh, I have to watch it for an hour right. behind. So you are on live tweets again. Perhaps. Again? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is only a 6 o'clock game over here. So that's it not is. too bad. Nice um, I can't complain about that, but oh yeah, another another live tweet session. Wow, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I was actually looking forward to just sitting down watching the game, not having to tweet out. But I'll do it. I'll do it for Chiefs Kingdom. You know me. You know me. Um, is there is there anything you're particularly looking forward to seeing in this game, or is it is it just go with it, hope nobody gets injured? The- from what I read today, it looks like Reggie Ragland and Anthony Hitchens are going to get some snaps. I'm looking forward to seeing how them two do um, because obviously the first two games we haven't had our starting inside linebackers in and they get to really play with each other at all, even in training camp this yeah. year. So it'd be interesting to see how those two get on. I'll be interested to see how Orlando Scandrick gets in because there's a chance he may start week one if Stevie Nelson can't come out the concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. Um Spencer Ware's going to be playing as well his first snaps back yeah. so it'll be interesting obviously Eric Berry isn't playing we're not worried about Eric Berry yet um, if he's still on that injury list the Friday before the Chargers game then yes we will be worried but mm. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it it should be a good game yeah let's talk about the shock during the week as well that we've mm. actually released one of Debatable. our <laughs> I'm saying it's shock because he's he's one of the uh, fan favourites. Let's say um, Jack Andrew West is no longer a chief, which was a sad. It was a sad moment for me um, because he's one of those kind of running backs that you know he was quite dependable on third down. He he protected Alex Smith when he uh, when he was playing, and yeah, we've kind of lost that 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 ability now. But you seem to have a positive look on this, don't you? Uh, not a positive look in terms of the Chiefs. I think it was obvious that West was going to get cut because the money he was on, he was probably the only third, fourth, or fifth best back on this team, so they could afford to cut him. Um, I'm happy that it's been done early. Yeah. And it hasn't been left till after week three or close to week four to cut him. He's now got time to catch on to another team and try and make a living there. I, I would not be surprised if Alex Smith is there right now banging on the door of his GM saying get this guy in and he ends up in the Redskins because they've got trouble at running back anyone that signs Adrian Peterson at this age has got troubles at running back (laughs) so don't be shocked to see him in a Redskins uniform Um, I don't think he'll stay in the division I think he'll move out of division but I'm happy for Chuck Andrick to go out and have an opportunity to get a job and try and win a job before the season starts yeah, is it? I I think it's a shame he's gone um, because, like I said, he's a fan favorite. But as you always keep saying to me, Tom, it's business, mate, isn't it? It is it's a business. business. Yeah, in a business. Yeah. If if the Chiefs ran the team how you would want them to run the team, we would be zero and sixteen. We'd be bankrupt as well. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I suppose I'm. I get too kind of like in the fandom of uh, of these players going. No, no, no. I like keep him, keep him, please keep him. But uh, we've got some very capable uh, running backs moving through the ranks now, haven't we? Um, Damien Williams seems to be doing the right things. Uh, so yeah, looking forward to seeing how this new new kind of stable of running running backs we've got. Um, but yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, right, should we move on to the player interview? With I think uh, we should we keep m- people waiting long enough? Yeah, oh yeah, exactly. Um, so here is the interview with um, Ted McKnight. Um, yeah, with me and Tom. Okay, so we have a very special guest on the show this week on the Arrowheads Abroad podcast. This former Chiefs running back and current Chiefs ambassador was an instant hit with the Arrowheads Abroad members when we met him in Kansas City last year. Purely because of how easy it was to talk to, how, how easy it was to talk to, and surprised everyone because he was really interested in discussing the game being received over here in the UK. We never really got a chance to ask him about his time in pro football while we were there with him, um, but he's a very humble gentleman indeed. He wore the number 22 jersey and led the Chiefs in rushing in 1978, 79 and 1980. In 1978, he led the NFL with a Chiefs record of six yards per carry and finished his NFL career with 2,344 rushing yards and 22 touchdowns. His longest run during a single play was 84 yards in 1979 and is still a Chiefs record. Ladies and gents, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Mr. Ted McKnight to the Arrowheads Abroad podcast. How are you doing, Ted? I'm doing well, thank you. It's really good to talk to you guys again. Yeah, did you like the introduction? I, I did. I, I was trying to find more <laughs> stuff to add in there, but I think you touched on all the highlights. So thank you. And again, really? I think I think I might have learned some additional stuff from you. So again, thanks very much. <laughs> what are you up to at the minute? Um, doing anything with the Chiefs recently? Yes, uh, you know I'm still involved with the Chiefs ambassadors, and so we've had a number of different events. We've had an alumni gathering that allowed us to go up and have lunch with the current players and uh, check in to see how things are going. And then we still, you know, it's getting into the the Red Fridays, if, if you're not familiar with them, every Friday prior to yeah. the Chiefs game, we have a major celebration around the community and we're getting to that point. So it was nice that uh, we had the opportunity of going and spending time at training camp with the guys and, and talking with them and such wonderful young men. It was such a, a really good time. And, and I think based on how uh, they're going about doing their jobs, it looks as though the Chiefs are bringing in a great amount of talent, and it should be a lot of fun for people to watch. Excellent. Um, is, is there anybody who really shone for you, do you think, at this Chiefs camp? Yeah, there have been, and, and I know that these names will be familiar. Uh, the uh, wide receiver, uh, uh, Tyreek Hill, has shown that he is still has a great deal of speed getting down the field, because if you had that chance of seeing any highlights, you saw him catch a 70-yard pass to go into <laughs> score here recently during the one of the preseason games. The second individual is uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, our new quarterback. You know, I, I was one of those individuals that thought, well, gosh, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea if Alex Smith was around another year and Patrick could learn more. But I, I really am impressed with this young man because he stepped back. He took some hits in the earlier games, but he stepped back and he rifled a 70-yard pass downfield. And one of the comments that he made was, had it been a spiral, Tyreek Hill never would have caught up with it. So that in itself <laughs> tells you the strength of this kid's arm. 
And then Watkins, another wide receiver that they brought in. We haven't had a chance to see much of what he's done because he's still fairly new. But I think and hope that he'll get into these next uh, one or two last preseason games coming up. And then I think the other deal is that our, they're bringing in a lot of talent on our defense. So if our offense is able to score points, obviously the objective is that we want to have our defense be able to keep, uh, to keep the other team in check. And uh, if we score 35, we don't want them scoring 36. Exactly. How did you, how did you yourself get into football? Because you sound very uh, enthusiastic about the game and, and you know, how it's actually perceived around the world. Uh, how was it, what, what was the story from you? How did you start? Well, you know, I really didn't much care for football. My father was military, so I lived in Europe. And I grew up just outside of France in a town called Tulare. And I think it was Trab Military Air Force Base. And so I played a great deal more of soccer uh, or rugby um, and uh, baseball, and I ran track. And I really did not get involved with organized football until we came back to the United States. And I was around 14 or 15 was when I really actually got involved. And then I didn't get into contact football till I was 16, 17, going into high school. Um, really? The reason, one of the reasons was that I noticed that all the football players had all the cute girls, and I didn't have anybody except, <laughs> you know, hanging out with ugly guys that ran track. Uh, so I, I decided I would give this football thing a try, and I, I was one of the fastest guys on the team. But just because you have speed doesn't mean anything, because if you can't catch, what difference does it make? Uh, and one of the guys told me, he says, Ted, you catch so bad, you couldn't catch a cold in a snowstorm. So that's how poorly <laughs> my receiving ability was. But I, I finally learned how to be a better receiver, and uh, and then once the coach saw that I had a great deal of speed, they moved me from the uh, being a, a wide receiver into the backfield. And in the backfield, I learned that a running back does not run out of glory; he runs out of fear, <laughs> fear that you're going to get beat up. And I did, uh, and and so it helped me in the sense of my my last year in high school kind of prepare to go to college. And, and college was a, was a goal of, of mine. My family never had the opportunity of going to college and I wanted to be one of those individuals that did. And football kind of helped propel me in that direction with school, with grants and loans and things of that nature. And uh, I walked out onto the football field and decided I would try out. And uh, things worked out very well for me so that in my junior and senior year, I rewrote all the records at the university that I went to, University of Minnesota in Duluth and University of Wisconsin in Superior, where I was a theater major. Um, so that, it, that kind of put me in an interesting light with my buddies, putting on the football gear on Saturday and then doing theater through the, re the rest of the week. Uh, so, so, that, so that was kind of where my life went. What's scarier, Ted? Um, performing in a theater or performing football? I think there's equal fear in both. Um, <laughs> the fear in theater is that you get out there and you freeze or you forget all your lines. The fear in football is that you're going to have a bunch of grown men beating the crap out of you, whether you like <laughs> it or not. So, so, it, so the fear kind of becomes equal. And, and I think theater, just like football, after you get past the first couple lines and you get it right, then you know, you're, you're good to go. And football is the same way. After you've taken that one really hard, severe shot, you recognize the fact that I better pay attention to what's going on in the field and not what's going on in the in the stands. So, so that was the kind of deal for me 
in that uh, it was a bit of a shock on both sides, but uh, both of them turned out to be a benefit and, and have uh, helped propel me into my life. Do you mm-hmm. still, are you still involved in theatre now or is it something that you kind of left behind when, once you moved into pro football? You know, I, I continued uh, theatre as I went into, uh, when I first was drafted by the Oakland Raiders, I went and uh, did some radio because my degree is in radio. It was in communications. So I did radio and television. So I, I had a chance to do some auditions while I was in California. I didn't really get any roles, but when I came back to Kansas City, I did some summer theater and I was able to do some commercials. And now it kind of helped me in a sense that I do more public speaking and I've got a new opportunity that's coming my way that I think is going to be beneficial. But, but I did stay around the theater for a long while uh, and still I'm, I'm very much a, mu- a major fan. If there was a, a, a theater or a show that you would like to be part of, what, 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 would, what would that be? You know, I was a fan of uh, Shakespeare, and I, I played the role of Othello. I didn't get a chance to play the entire role because it was a, an a, a adaptation of, of a version of it while I was in college. And so I always wanted to, to be Othello, Othello. I thought, wouldn't it be great to be the king? And you know, <laughs> as the expression goes, it's good to be the king. <laughs> and so I, I've always loved that role. But uh, as far as other roles, I was uh, I played in a, a, a show, uh, My Sweet Charlie, uh, which yep. was another uh, role that I really enjoyed. Following that of, I think, uh, Sidney Poitier, I was in A Raisin in the Sun, uh, which was another role. And believe it or not, there was a, a play called Auntie Mame that I even had to do singing and dancing, which, again, was like watching a Clydesdale uh, dance with a ballerina, which was not very pretty. <laughs> Be in a beast, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so, and then, and, and then, when I did that play, all of my teammates were sitting right down front, and the things that they were doing and saying were very inappropriate. Uh, being in the theater, and and they were trying to get a reaction out of me. You mentioned your uh, your growing up and and how you you actually got into the game. Was there a particular player that you actually watched and thought, I'm going to try and emulate? how he plays you know I, I think there were a lot of guys I mean always there was the Walter Paytons of the world uh, to, to watch how well he ran the game and and then uh, Franco Harris I was a big fan of Franco Harris um, I, as I was growing up and, and watching more and more football you know it was it's difficult to just absolutely pin it on one individual because everybody had their own running style there was a guy that was with the Vikings his name was uh, Chuck Foreman and Chuck was kind of a uh, the kind of a running back like Walter Payton. He was he he just had great moves. I mean, he could, he could move to the left, and by the time you reached left, he was going right. Walter Payton was the same way. But then I liked Franco Harris and guys like that that would run over you, like the Jim Browns of the world. They would mm-hmm. they would not try to dance around you. And I I always loved the one line about Jim Brown. Everybody was always trying to do what they could to take him down and they would stick their fingers in his eye and in his <laughs> face and everything and so Jim Brown told him here's the deal anything on the outside of the helmet is yours anything on the inside of the helmet is mine so if you stick your finger in there I'm going to bite it off so <laughs> so I like the, the the toughness of a guy like Jim Brown but again there were so many great guys so many athletes that I that I followed in the sense of watching them play and uh, I mean, it would be great to have been able to take on all of those different uh, characteristics. But, you know, uh, the, the guys that when I got drafted, the guys that I was drafted with were people like Earl Campbell 
and Tony really? Dorsett, and uh, one of my teammates, Tony Reed, who turned out to be a tremendous uh, blocker. And I wasn't a very good blocker. And if and if that were the case, Rocky Blyer, who played uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers and was a blocker for uh, Franco Harris, was a phenomenal blocker. And again, Tony Reed, coming out of Colorado, taught me how to block. I helped him get 1,000 yards, and he helped me become one of the fastest runners in the league. So it was a great trade-off. Mm-hmm. I've seen actually, uh, there's a video on YouTube. I think it's actually on your uh, YouTube channel, actually. Um, I just wanted to just see the, the style of player that you were. And from what I saw, you could really cut between players. You were, yeah. you were very good at juking between them. Yeah, I, you know, and that, the one play I think you're thinking about is when we played against Seattle, and uh, I, I'm not Seattle, but the San Diego Chargers, mm-hmm. I, it was a sweep play, and I, they all seemed to come to that side. And Tony Reed, he, he was able to do what we call shake and bake. He'd just shake you one way and bake you the other. By the time he was done, you were all cooked. And so <laughs> I, I really liked that. And, and I thought, okay, I've got the speed. Can I do this at the same time? Mm-hmm. And I was able to do that, the shake and bake on a couple of plays. But to be honest with you, my strength was just a speedster. If I got to the corner, I really didn't care who you were you were going to have to put on track shoes to keep up with me because that was probably my greatest asset was that I, 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 was, a, I was a sub-Olympic sprinter. I ran 9.697. Really? And so when they had the 100-yard dash versus the 100-meter. And, and, uh, and so I would have been about a 10-flat uh, meter, but now guys are running the 100-meter in 9.798. So yeah. I would I would be slow compared to those guys. So I never made the Olympic yeah. team. Well, I mean, I an alternative. seeing that video though, I mean, you you really are quick on that. It's we, we might have to show it on the uh, the Twitter page and on the website. Just just how quick you actually were. Um, it's it's actually quite amazing to see. I it look you look like an actual modern day player. That's how I can kind of uh, compliment you really on that. Well, thank um, you. That, a contrast to that play is if you look at the long run that you had mentioned, oh, by the way, thank you for mentioning that long run. Um, (laughs) If you look at the contrast of those two plays, the one against the Chargers was, again, having five guys around me and was able to scoot between them with a little juke move. The other one, the Seattle run, was nothing but pure speed. And that was was the basis of what I ran when I was in college. I mean, I I normally didn't play the halftime of a college game because I'd already run for – 17 carries and 225, 230 yards and five and six touchdowns, and the coach would pull me out of the game. I, I tried to set the NCAA record because I knew that I could have scored. I could have, I know for a fact, I could have run for almost 500 yards and scored 10 touchdowns in one game, but by the third quarter, I was sitting on the bench. That must have been highly frustrating. It, it have, was. Have that little bit of history in your grasp and then. For the, a coach to take it away from you. If you had to um, compare yourself to a modern day back, like who would you say you would most like, or is it different areas and too hard to uh, compare? You know, it, it is. It is a different game. Um, I, I'll tell you what. We did have a kid uh, here named uh, Charles, Jamal Charles, mm-hmm. and Charles was a pure runner and was a straight runner. And and if I had to be compared to anyone, it would have been the old. Um, um, well, Charles would have been one individual, but uh, Christian Okoye would have been another. And uh, Christian didn't have a lot of shake and bake. He was just a pure straight runner. And, and 
And yeah. so from that standpoint, those would be the comparisons that I would make. I was not a Walter Payton. I didn't have that kind of, those types of moves. I was faster than Walter, but I didn't have this, the lateral movement that he had and the, and the peripheral vision to be able to see guys coming at him from all sides. Yeah. We asked um, Larry Johnson this question a few weeks ago when he was on the show, so I think it's only fair to ask you as well. Um, obviously, Kansas City's renowned for having very good running backs. Um, we've been fortunate to have a factory of running backs. In your opinion, you can include yourself in this, who's the best running back that Kansas City's ever had? That, you know, that's really that's a tough question, but it's a fair question as far as running backs. Because you're right, we've had some great ones. Uh, I'll go back to, um, um, oh gosh, uh, Curtis McClinton was a great running back out of uh, Kansas, and then you had uh, again Tony Reed was a was an awesome running back. But I think Priest Holmes mm -hmm. was really a standout running back. Ed Podolak was the guy that I was thinking of. Ed Podolak was the all-around. But the game is so so different that Ed Podolak would not fit in today's game because he was he was on all three, potentially all four downs. Now football is a situational game where you're going to have different individuals come in based on down and yardage. Uh, I think that, um, again, when they had Tyreek Hill in the backfield, I think he showed great ability. Uh, Jamal Charles, again, I think was one of the toughest guys because he was a great runner. And then we did have another kid named Johnson. Uh, I think you might have – did you say Dar Larry Johnson? Larry Johnson, yeah, yeah. Larry Johnson, uh, he, he was a guy that they gave the nickname. He ran downhill. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's difficult running uphill, but he ran downhill just as fast, if not faster than most. And I really liked his running style. I mean, he just – he would bulldoze you, and that was the way he ran. So if I'm making those comparisons, that would be kind of the guy, the Charles and the um, um, uh, Priest Holmes, the Christian Okoyes. I mean, it's difficult to separate one from the other, and I know that they'll, they have a countdown as to the top 10 best running backs. I might be in the top, I don't know, 30. But, uh, you know, the, the top 10 <laughs> guys in our, that, that came to Kansas City would have been a starting running back for any team in the league. If only we could have a, like a piece of each of them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Put them into one player. <laughs> that, yeah, that would be great because if that were the case and that were me, I'd probably continue to run even into my 50s and 60s because I'd be able to, <laughs> I'd be able to change up my style depending on the game. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, let's, let's address the elephant in the room. You were drafted in the second round by the Raiders, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah. What did the Chiefs do to save you from that potential nightmare? Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a nightmare and a blessing. Uh, I, I, when I left, when I went to the Raiders, they had just won the Super Bowl in 77. So, right. so I was going to have a very difficult time making that team because they were already set. And the running back who I was trying to replace had been the MVP of the game. So in actuality, at the last day, I, I was on the Raiders team, but because they had so many injuries, I ended up being waived from the Raiders and was picked up by the Chiefs because of you know the, my standing within the fact of being a second-round draft pick, coming from a Super Bowl team. And so if there was a saving grace, that was it. The Chiefs were struggling. They had good backs, but they were struggling because the majority of the players were older players, because Coach Hank Stram had a 
had a tendency of keeping veteran players around. So when Hank left, he still you still had a stable of older guys that were here, and I just happened to be one of the new faces coming out, and I was uh, I was picked up by the Chiefs, and the funny thing about it is that I was picked up on a Friday or a Saturday. No, I'm sorry, let's go back. It was a Thursday, I believe, by the Chiefs, and I played against the Raiders on that Monday night football game. So I still had <laughs> some of that Raider blood floating through me uh, when they when they came to Kansas City. Wow. So, so you, you actually had a really good start to your, your NFL career as well, didn't you? Yes, I did. I, I, I did. Yeah, I, I, thought, uh, I thought for certain, and I had a lot of family in California, and I thought for certain that that would be somewhere that I would be because we were always told anybody when the first one to five rounds, and again, that was when they had 27 rounds versus the fact that they've got seven to 10 rounds now. Anyone within those first five rounds most likely would make that particular team. But because the vet, the Raiders were such a veteran team, I, I, I was kind of on the outside looking in. And mm-hmm. then when I did get my chance to play in uh, 78, because I really didn't get much of a playing time in 77, I wanted to make my mark. And more importantly, anytime you leave a team, you want them to regret they're letting you go. And that mm-hmm. was my intent, was to make them regret by not being in Oakland with the Raiders. And I did the best I could every time I touched the ball. Yeah, it sounds like they regretted it with uh, with those stats. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> definitely. It was, it was interesting because when the late Al Davis, I'd run into him once in a while, he would look at me and shake his head and says, I have no idea what we were doing, letting you go to Kansas City. <laughs> I hated that. I hated that. <laughs> um, so you actually played six years uh, in the NFL, didn't you? Five seasons with the Chiefs and uh, one season with the Bills. That's correct. What, what was it that eventually made you stop playing the game? You know, I, I started accumulating injuries that wouldn't go away. They were I was carrying with them with me from one season to the next. And I thought if I could get through the sixth season, maybe I could play another season or two. But I, you know, my, I had had a couple of knee surgeries and I, I was getting ready to have a shoulder surgery and I had an Achilles surgery. And so I just could not shake the injuries. They were just, I was just dragging them along. And I even thought about trying to take off and go up into the Canadian leagues and see if I could get another season or two there. Mm-hmm. But I, I just couldn't get past the injury factor. There, it was just too much. Yeah. It, well, yeah, it's understandable. I mean, it's such a, a brutal game, especially in that kind of era as well, wasn't it? You had a lot, Absolutely. Of, uh, a lot Absolutely. of defensive players hitting you from all angles. I even had my own teammates hitting me in some situations. So, <laughs> so it, it, it was very much a different game. I mean, they don't hit the way – there's a lot of rules, a lot more rules in today's game than when we played. When I played, you could clothesline a guy. You could wear uh, plaster of Paris on your arm. You know, I mean, you could do a lot of things and get away with it. But today's game has taken that away. You could mm-hmm. cut. You could you could go down at a guy's knees. You could double team a guy. You could crack back. There were a lot of things that you could do then that you cannot do now. Yeah. And and I think that that has helped guys' longevity. Plus the nature of the fact that the money is so big, these teams want those individuals in the game versus having them on the sideline. Mm-hmm. Well, we had a, another former Chiefs running back, Larry Johnson, on the show a few weeks back. Um, and he was talking to us about all manner of things, mainly. But uh, one of the main things that he really wanted, wanted to discuss with us was the safety of players in the modern game. And uh, Larry specifically mentioned the protective gear that was 
uh, much bulkier and thicker back in the 70s and 80s and seemed more protective than and but less maneuverable he's right um, he's right yeah and and he's he felt that maybe that the modern players now because they have smaller pads uh, and you know not as much protection because it's all about maneuverability he probably thought that that actually led to a lot more um you know um injuries you know um causing you know the concussions and all that kind of thing do you is that something you you believe in as well is it is it is it mainly the the pads that have thinned down that's causing these concussions and things i think it's a combination of all of those things when we played um we were like uh it was like for us a joust you know we were (laughs) we had full gear on from head to toe versus somebody that might be uh you know wearing something much much lighter um and and it, it gave us a little bit more protection, but I think also the technique had to change in order for the players to be safer. When we played, you could spear a guy. You could use the point of the helmet, yeah. and that was okay. And and then you saw the quarterbacks beginning to get rib pads because they were getting taking shots to the ribs and you know broken ribs and that whole deal. So the equipment that we had was was much bulkier, but I think the injury factor was a little bit less. Today's players, uh, yeah, you're right. The, the, the equipment, is, I mean, the, the technology of the equipment is so much more advanced, but you're seeing a lot more Achilles tears than you've ever seen before. Yeah. You're seeing a lot more concussions than you've ever seen before. Now, we all had concussions. I think we probably, every play we had was probably a concussion, but it was the, the nature of how we played, where today they're starting kids off with different techniques and how to tackle, how to keep your head up, how to square up on a guy, how to look at the numbers versus ours was nothing but brute force. And yeah, yeah I, I, we've noticed that there are a lot more head concussions. And, and also you have to look at the fact that the, the protocol of head concussions, when a guy is down on the field and he's shaking his head, you automatically go into concussion protocol. Mm-hmm. We would have one of the guys come over and the official would say, what day is it? Someone would whisper in your ear, and he'd show, how many fingers am I showing? And someone would, would whisper and tell you, he's got three. And then you just shake it off and you'd say, okay, you got an owie. Go sit down and then you come back in the game. And then the next day you're watching film and you'd have no idea what you did. Yeah. You know, did, was that me making that run? Did I do that? So we played the game with concussions. Today's guys, if they get hit and there's any evidence of what there might potentially be a concussion, there's a protocol that they have to go through, and they're done for the day, and potentially done for a week. So, 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 yeah, the game has changed because again, the dollars are, are so big, and that they want to have those top athletes in the game versus them being on the sideline. So, mm-hmm. it, yeah, I, I agree with with Larry in that the equipment. I think the equipment is as good, if not better. Uh, the the guys are still as big, if not bigger. Uh, and I think you also have to think about the fact that when we played, steroids was a very big part of our life. And in yeah. today's athletes, it's probably much less. Their their training is better. Their nutrition is better than what we had. Um, you know, I remember times when when uh, we would go to uh, dinner and uh, and have our have our meal, and then in the evening somebody would run down to Burger King and come back with a couple hundred Burger Kings or pizzas. So, so, so our training table was a whole lot different than what these kids are looking at now. 
Yeah. Well, I, I already prefer your era, wrestling and Burger King. That sounds so yeah, much yeah. better. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's exactly it. Yeah, pizza, Burger King, and, and a great big... So it's like getting a half a dozen Whoppers and a Diet Coke, like the Diet Coke is going to help. <laughs> and don't forget as well, playing football for girls. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. That, you know what? That's still a part of the deal. That, that part you can never filter out. <laughs> Um, well, we said in the intro that we met you last year when we were in Kansas City, and the first thing that struck many of us was your actual love for the game, because you wanted to know more about how it's being received in the UK, and you didn't yes. once talk about your career when we were there. <laughs> you, you clearly still care about the image of the game and its, and its growth. Uh, there's been a lot said from some fans in America about not wanting to lose America's game overseas to the UK and Mexico, but you seem to welcome it in a certain extent. Is that is that a fair assumption? It's an absolutely. I mean, NFL football or American football was a makeup of a lot of different games. You know, rugby had to be a part of it. I love the Australian rules football game that 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 comes into play, and I think that people are missing out if they don't get a flavor. And, and an understanding about American football. And when they had the uh, NFL Europe, I thought, what a great way to expose different parts of the world to, you know, baseball is supposed to be America's game, baseball, apple pie, and hot dogs. But now <laughs> NFL football has taken the scene and people are missing out on watching this game. I mean, it's, it, it's modern day gladiators. That's all it is. I mean, I love to watch soccer. I really enjoy watching it, but there aren't any, there's not many points scored in it, and it's really the build-up to the opportunity to score the point is when you feel the hair on the back of your neck raise up when you see a breakaway going downfield. In NFL football, every play is a potential touchdown. Every play is a potential opportunity of watching somebody score, and more importantly, to watch the athleticism that these guys that are 200, 300, 350 plus pounds be able to perform on a field. It's almost a, a ballerina of very, very large men. Yeah. Well, uh, have you been watching any of the UK games, the international series games that they've been on? Uh, we've got, I think we've got three this year coming up, but I think we had four last season. Yes. Uh, did, you, did you see any of the games? Did you watch any of the footage? I saw yes, I did. I get a, I I get a chance to watch some of those games and I enjoy it. But here's the thing that's really interesting: the fan base in Europe does not yet understand the, the nature of the game, and so they unless they have a particular team that they're rooting for, they're basically just watching the game. So they yeah. don't know when to cheer. They don't know what to do when there's a completed pass. I mean, you're always going to clap when you see a great play, but they don't. You don't hear the build up and the crescendoing of the of people getting ready to that have that burst when the guy goes breaking through the line because yeah. they don't yet understand what what all that means. Yeah. Um, and and what you do hear is you hear this low buzz or or a constant kind of monotone cheer within the audience of the European uh, fans because again they're not yet acclimated into what the game is. Though when you're watching the game from the from the US People know what to look for, and you can tell the enthusiasm based on what has just happened. Was there a great run? Was there a great catch? Was there a great block? But I think as the folks in the UK and Mexico and some of these other communities, Italy, where they used to have teams, 
get the opportunity of having a better understanding of the game, I think the rivalries will be just as great there as they are here. Yeah. Does that make does that make sense? Yeah, I, yeah. I think not as a counter argument, but I think what the half of the problem is that it's because it happens three times a year and it's just everyone getting their football fix, as it were. It's more of a festival of football, so it's more of like a celebration, mm-hmm. as opposed to it being treated like a a real regular season home game. Um, in fact, I would I would go as far as to say is that when the Chiefs come over in 2015, they probably generated the best home field home field advantage yeah. of all the teams that have been over to London. Like I've been to what 15, 16 of the international series games now, uh-huh. right? And I would certainly say that Kansas City was the the loudest and I think that is part because fans are starting to get it and at the same time Kansas City there was a lot of people from Kansas City that flew over and that certainly helps yeah. if you can get more That's of right. the home support to travel mm-hmm. across to America then you will get more of a, a, a regular season feel do you know, I suppose. Do you know what I think else helped as well it was ahead, the, Arrow, yes. the Arrowhead Chop Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I saw so many like Vikings fans and Saints fans and everybody like that at the game at, in 2015 at, at Wembley. They were actually joining in with the chop. Yeah, it was and, and it was such a big thing. You're absolutely right. And and, and the, 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 when you talk about it being a festival, for us every Sunday is a festival because people get <laughs> out there. You know, let's say the game starts at noon. People will be there at six, seven o'clock in the morning, so they can set up. So they're preparing for their their Sunday festival, and every Sunday is like that. And then the the Kansas City Chop is it. You know, you've got other college teams that do it, but when you come to Arrowhead and you've got eighty thousand people doing the Chop, you just can't miss it. And then yeah. when you see that outside of the Kansas City community, you want to participate because you feel like, okay, I'm a part of the game now. I'm doing the Kansas City Chiefs chop. And I and everybody, whether they understand it or not, they know it's a ritual. And everybody yeah. wants to participate. It, it, it is like an experience like nothing else. I mean, I I went last year. It was my first ever uh, Arrowhead experience. Uh, obviously, with Arrowheads abroad, the, the whole group that were there. And yes. it was a completely different experience to what we had at the U.K., um, and you're right. It was just electrifying. It was just so loud. I've never been to a louder stadium uh, in all my life. And the excitement levels, like you said, it went down to the last kick of the game, basically, yep. or the last throw of the game. And uh, you're not going to get that any experience outside of America, I don't think. And you know, the, the, you, one of the points that I have to agree with you is that Kansas City has been, has been considered the loudest stadium bar none and you've got some stadiums that have roofs over them and they still get 125 130 decibels uh, which again i pay they say is like having a jet plane fly over the over the top of you (laughs) uh, because the people get into it and uh so so yeah that i'll tell you how loud it gets it would be so loud and i would be down in the middle of that bowl on the field that i would have to literally stand maybe not even a foot away from a guy. Uh, let's see, a meter is three feet. I would be a half a meter from him, and I had to scream, literally scream in his ear to be able to have him hear what I'm saying or have him scream in my ear. So what they did is they sometimes go away from audibles and just go to hand signals. 
That's yeah. how loud it gets. Wow. <laughs> well, um, we're obviously going to be running short on time briefly here, but a um, few quick questions because I know I know you want to ask us a few questions quickly as well before we go. Sure. Um, knowing what you know now from your time in pro football, what advice would you give the young stars of today? Not to start too soon. Yeah. Because, you know, I've seen kids that have started out four, five, six years old and get burned out on the game by the time they were teenagers. Um, flag football is just as much fun as opposed to putting on gear. Young kids' bodies have not developed enough for them to be putting on gear and going out there having collisions. You're starting kids off way too early with concussions. Those little brains are not ready for that. It's nothing but, but the yolk like, a, like, like an egg. You've mm -hmm. got the shell and you've got that brain floating inside in liquid. And to have those little kids banging their heads against each other or banging their head on the ground, I think, starts you off in, a, in the wrong direction. Yeah. Uh, when, when I got into coaching kids, I didn't want to coach little kids, especially if they were wearing gear. I wanted to, to do flag football. I wanted to do it so that they got the flavor of the game, the camaraderie of the game, and more importantly, to develop the relationships. I still have guys that I went to high school with that are some of my dearest and closest friends, and I still see them today. But I think once kids get into the teenage years, their bones have grown more. Uh, they're not as clumsy. Big, tall kids, they say fall down and they're clumsy because their bones haven't grown. They're, they're, they're still not connected. But I think once you get into being a teenager, then you have a better appreciation for the game and you learn how to play the game better. Coaching, you're better prepared, yeah. You're much yeah. better prepared. I think coaching is a big key. You know, we've got this play 60 where coaches and our, our players are now showing kids how to play the game. They're showing how to hold their head up, not drop your head, how to, how to tackle, what to look for, as opposed to leaning in with your shoulder. And so it's, it's becoming a total reconstruction of how to play the game of football. So I say that you can start kids off learning the game from you know flag football, uh, kind of peewee, things like that. But I say kids should not be allowed to put gear on until they're in their you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. Because what you've done is you've already sent them down the road of having uh, uh, concussions, and, and physical uh, injuries that some, by the time they get to college, may never, may not ever overcome. Yeah. That, that's just my thought on it. And my final question is, uh, if you were starting your career right now in 2018, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, I, I think that I would, I would learn, again, I would go about learning how to tackle, yeah. uh, learning how to block. Because, again, you know, when, we, when we played the game, you were just thrown into it. To be honest with you, you weren't really coached that much. You were just thrown into the game. And I think going to camps where you've got professional athletes that have been there, that are, that are coaching kids how to play the game, is a better way to start than to go to an organized football program because their level of expectation is that you've either learned the game or you've played the game somewhere else and in actuality, you know nothing about it. So by going to like you have baseball camps, you have soccer camps. I think going to football camps where you're not wearing any pads, you're learning drills, you're learning how to catch, you're learning how to focus on the ball, you're learning how to catch the ball, you're learning all the things you need to learn before you get into the game of actually 
putting on pads and, and the physical contact. So I, that's the way I would, if I were a coach or if I was someone that were getting into that, I would say to them, how much have you had of, of really kind of formal learning of this game? And yeah. if they've had very little, you know, those, unfortunately, you'd have to kind of say, I don't think you're ready for this. You know? And I think that down the road, the parents would thank you for that, that you've spared their child um, some sort of a, a major injury that, that they may not overcome. And more importantly, you get a kid hurt in his first couple of games, you're going to scare him off yeah. right away. He's done. And if you look at football, they're saying football is down 25% because mothers are not letting their kids, young kids, play the game of football because of the potential injury factor. Right. Well, that's all the questions we have. Is there anything you've got to ask us, yeah. Ted? Yes. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have any games coming over this year, but if you do, are you guys going to be coming back to Kansas City anytime in the near future? Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> I would love to. I've got to get it past the, uh, the, past the misses first, though. <laughs> well, well here's, a, here's a question for you. Now, do you guys have, and I know that this came up in our conversations, uh, do you get? Uh, do you have pubs that you go to to watch the games? Do people get the games on on their home televisions? And so, uh, are you following the entire league? Or are you just right now with the with your group, as I understood, just follow the Chiefs? But do you have places that you go for gatherings to watch games? We do. Um, not every game is kind of hard because the Chiefs have got like quite a um, small support here in. UK, we try to arrange two or three watch parties a year, mm-hmm. um, and we get people come from all over the UK to to them. Like we had last year, we had meets in Birmingham, London, and Manchester. Oh yeah, and they were all a big success. And this year, we got we've got meets in London on the twenty third of September. Okay, um, then we're going to Newcastle for a weekend in October, and then we've got another meet up in Manchester in December. So it's we tried to do the less meets but make them quality meetups if we okay. if we tried arranging one for every single week we would struggle to get more than three or four guys down where if we do them every now and then we tend to get 30 40 people across so um it is it is growing over here for sure um as it, in answer to your original question I think we just all love football. So we obviously follow the Chiefs, but as soon as the Chiefs game finishes at what half nine over here, if it's a, a midday kickoff in Kansas City, that's not the end of our football night. We will stay up and watch the second game, then we'll stay up and watch this, the Sunday night game. So it's often like, for me personally, watching football is from six o'clock in the evening on a Sunday until half three, four o'clock on Monday morning. It's like a, t- it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's like a 10 hour ordeal and then a struggle well, for work on, on Monday morning. Well, I, I'm going to. This is not a. Uh, this is not a promise. This is a threat. I may come over there at some point to just hang out with you guys and watch a game. That would um, be I, fantastic. I, I've spent some time in the UK, and I'll tell you, I absolutely loved every moment that I was there, and I look forward to it. But I'd like to share with you something that I'm going to be doing that that might be an opportunity up for us to stay in touch, Tom, with you and and some of the other fans that that, that are members of the Chiefs. There's a new program that I'm helping to spearhead here in Kansas City, and basically I'm hoping to spearhead this around the country and maybe even around the world on an international basis. And it's a program that's called Chattelize. And right. what Chattelize is, is Chattelize provides fans to have a, a one-on-one 
uh, opportunity to speak with a player uh, you know, for 10 or 15 minutes, whatever the case might be. Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be doing my first uh, video chat. It's going to be in September around the 12th. And if I if I look at you all's timetable, it would be from 9 to 10 p.m. BST. And it's mm -hmm. going to be broken up into like I'm going to do about an hour. And that hour is going to be divided into six one on one chats. Uh, that'll be available to people that want to call in on a kind of a first-come, first-served basis uh, because I can tell about the excitement that you all have about the game, the passion that you have about the game, and if people want to be able to sit and talk with me for 10 minutes or so, uh, we can do that. And uh, I'll be doing these sessions on a regular basis, and I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to speaking to folks, but I'm going to be looking at potentially kind of get the first ones kicked off uh, September 12th, again, from your time, uh, 10 uh, 9 to 10 p.m., which again would be our time, 3 to 4 p.m. Um, so that that's one of the things, and, and it works like this. If someone is interested, that you 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 go to to, uh, and I'll I'll share this with you. Uh, you go to uh, uh, Chattelize, which is www.chattelize, C-H-A-T-A-L-Y-Z-E.com, and you use Chrome or Foxfire uh, on either your laptop or your desk computer. Uh, it doesn't work on a mobile phone. It doesn't work on a la on a uh, table. Uh, and what I'm doing is like you know, for having a 10-minute chat, um, they can give me a call and and we can sit down and and we can have that have that chat. And and to in order to purchase a chat, and it's it's not a, a big fee or anything. You would go to and I'm going to give this to you, and you all hopefully you'll be able to share it. Yeah. It's chatalize.com backslash sessions backslash chat dash with dash Ted dash McKnight backslash 980. And uh, once the session gets started, uh, there'll be a test run on the background to make sure that the uh, all, everything is uh, updated. And uh, you know, I'll recommend if people are interested, uh, call five or 10 minutes prior to whatever that chat is that they're interested in having. And uh, we'll have the same kind of a talk. And, and then I'll, I'll be honest with you, if it becomes uh, something that they want pictures, I'm willing to sign pictures and either send it to them uh, over the Internet or, or send them pictures in the mail, whichever is the easiest. But I'm really excited about it because it'll give folks like this wonderful opportunity that you've given me a chance to talk about what it is we're going to be doing. And I would hope to continue to bring more of the uh, the fans of Arrowhead Abroad uh, on to what we're doing in Kansas City. But to be absolutely honest with you, to be able to expose more folks to either individuals like myself who are now outside of the game or maybe even some of the younger guys that are inside of the game. But at least what we can do is we will continue to have these types of conversations. So I Sounds hope that's great. okay to make that, that personal plug, but I'm really, I'm really excited about it. And I'm yeah, no, really excited to, to to offer this up to folks in the UK. Yeah, no worries. We're not going to edit that out of the show. Uh, no, we'll Ted, that's going to stay in. That's Definitely. Stay in. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it sounds fantastic. Um, for sure, uh, I managed to type down that website as you were saying it. I was quite impressed with myself, actually. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, Is that I, what flashed up on my phone just then? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I found the link quite quickly. Yeah, no, yeah, it's it's yeah you did find it. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. We well, I might even take you up that myself on the twelfth of September. Yeah, please do. Right. It would yeah. be a pleasure. I absolutely enjoy it. And I, 
you guys have just been so nice. I've absolutely, when you guys were here, I'm telling you, you made me smile all day long. And then <laughs> I even got the opportunity of being with you on the sideline that, during the game. Do you know, it's funny, they were, we were speaking to some of them, uh, some of the members from our, our heads abroad after that moment where we were holding the flag. Yes. And they were saying, they were all excited. They were saying, Ted McKnight was stood with us. He was chatting with us. While we're, he says, yeah, he remembered yeah. us. He remembered us. It was such a big deal for them. It was, you honestly, you made the night there. You really and, did. And I have pictures of it. So again, uh, you guys have kind of put me on the map here in the neighborhood because I go around saying, oh yeah, you know what? I got lots of pals in the UK, so I don't care. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good to go. I might even go back over there to hang out with them. <laughs> that sounds good. Well, you're welcome on the show anytime. Um, What's your prediction for the Chiefs this season? What do you think it's going to be? Well, you know what's interesting? I know that you guys saw that uh, West, our running back, was released, but they feel so confident in the young people that they brought in. But yeah. I'm going to say it like this. I mean, I, I am not a great predictor of any of this, so I'll say this. If they make the playoffs, which I really believe they'll, not only, they'll, they'll win the division and make the playoffs, I would like to see them get past the first round of the playoffs and make it into the second round because there seems to be this, I don't know, monkey on the back that we get mm. in there and we struggle getting past that first game. So my hope is that they get into the second game and, and maybe, maybe into the AFC championship game, which would be one step before going to the Super Bowl. And I, I mean, that, that would be the hope. That, that is what we as fans are shooting for for them to win the AFC division. And in doing so, then, you know, th that next game would be the Super Bowl. And uh, then, uh, you know, maybe you guys will be able to meet me in Atlanta and we can watch the game <laughs> together. I, that first, sounds good. First round of beers is on me. Yeah. <laughs> You're a legend. <laughs> sounds like a deal. <laughs> well, Ted, it's been great chatting with you. Um, and it was a pleasure meeting with you in Kansas City as well during the barbecue. We had so much fun over there. I you did were definitely, too. oh, it was brilliant. You were definitely a major highlight during our tour as well. So thank you for spending the time with us. Um, we hope you'll join us again sometime during the season. Yes. Give us your thoughts and, and how the season's going, that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, just want to thank you once again for spending time with us and, and giving us your thoughts on the Chiefs and giving us a nice little insight into your the history of your game. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, I, I hope that you're able to share the concept that, that I'm putting out with Chattel Eyes because I think it'll give more folks a great deal of insight, and more importantly, guys, I have to thank Amanda uh, for helping me get this set up because I struggled with it so mightily in the sense of, <laughs> I told her, my computer is so old, I had to call Moses to help me turn it on. That's how old it is. <laughs> and, and she was just such a delight to help me figure out how to get this done, and uh, so uh, hopefully we'll... We'll have a chance to uh, to speak again, and and uh, please don't lose her her email information because she's the person that I, she's my go-to for me to help figure stuff out. But uh, it was an absolute thrill and pleasure to have a chance to visit with you. Oh, it's been great. Well, yeah, thanks to you and thanks to Amanda. Right. Thanks very much for listening. Hey, speak to you again soon. And tell everyone cheers and and uh, go Chiefs. <laughs> go Chiefs. Right on.